Hi there, I'm Gavin Crawford. I'm a writer, an actor, and a comedian. And for the last eight or nine years, I have been navigating life with my mother's increasing dementia. Has it been sad? Yeah. Has it been funny? Also, yeah. That's what my brand new podcast series, Let's Not Be Kidding, is about. It's the true story of my life as a comedian, my mom, and dementia. Let's Not Be Kidding, with me, Gavin Crawford. A new seven-part series from CBC Podcasts, available now. This is a CBC Podcast. Hi, I'm Peter Oldring. And I'm Pat Kelly. And you're listening to This Is That, the show that brings you stories you won't hear anywhere else. Are you people mad? This gives me great grief. Fake news. The very thought of that offends me. It's a terrible idea. Documentary. Oh, I just love the idea. Come on. Interviews. I just couldn't believe my ears. This is that. The Canadian Army is known around the world for its innovation and peacekeeping prowess. Its tactical thinking and strategic ideas are qualities that set it apart from other armed forces. Building on its legacy of being creative with its resources, the Canadian military announced this week that they've made a major change to the way that they will now face combat. Joining me to tell us more is Major Private Lieutenant Gould. Hello, Lieutenant Gould. Yes, good afternoon. Thank you very much for being on the program with us today. Absolutely. It's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. So what uh, changes are coming to the Canadian Armed Forces? Well, uh, it should come as no surprise to Canadians that the Canadian Armed Forces is uh, obviously uh, one of the forefront armed forces in the world when it comes to the environment. Uh, And uh, continuing with that thought, we have acquired a series of MB2000s, which will change uh, how we uh, go about doing uh, ground uh, operations. Well, I, I didn't realize that the uh, Canadian Armed Forces uh, it was a priority uh, to to be environmentally conscious. Yes, yes, absolutely. It's uh, not something that we go out of our way to uh, advertise, obviously, when we're speaking about the Canadian military. Uh, primarily, uh, our focus is on defense. Uh, but you have to remember, uh, one of the qualities we hold very dearly in this country is um, that we are green-oriented, that we are environmentally sensitive, uh, and that extends to all branches of the military as well, yes. Uh, okay, so let's talk about these MB2000s. Yes. What exactly are these? Uh, an MB2000 uh, is a uh, an all-terrain cycle uh, that is used uh, on the ground. Uh, it in- incorporates collapsible technology, can haul up to 500 pounds, uh, runs uh, virtually silent, uh, and is also uh, leaving zero-carbon footprint. There are no emissions with this uh, ground transport. Oh, okay, so you used the word cycle there. Yes. I, I, I'm just curious, is the MB, uh, does that stand for mountain bike? Yes. The, 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 the MB does stand for mountain bike, uh, uh, 2000 being the model. Okay. Uh, but again, you know, I, I need to reiterate, uh, these are military issues, so you'll, you'll need to get out most of the conventional thinking around what a mountain bike looks like uh, in comparison to these military issue MB2000. Okay. okay, so describe these these. MB two thousands yes. to me. Uh, yes. it, it, well, does it look like a bicycle? Well, the MB two thousand is based on bicycle technology. Yes, but uh, again, you have to imagine uh, these are military issue cycles. So this is something obviously uh, built on that technology, but it's sturdy, and also it's been painted camouflage. So this is something that's very hard to spot. 
So I want to get a sense of how this is uh, mm-hmm. protecting the environment. Are these bicycles replacing uh, other vehicles that you yeah, have it, in the armed forces? Again, I, I, I you know, I, I'll, I'll allow you to, to use the term bicycle, but these are MB two thousands, which is a it's it is an all terrain, uh, you know, two wheel uh, apparatus uh, that, that give our ground troops uh, unlimited mobility and agility in in most circumstances. Now these these will uh, for for most intensive purposes replace things like Humvees and Jeeps, uh, tanks, uh, you know, as as a an economically much uh, much. Uh, smarter choice for for our troops, and also the environmental impact of of these bicycles or the of the MB two thousands is is next to nothing at all. So by replacing a, a, a an armored jeep or a Humvee with uh, essentially, I guess bicycles. Well, uh, it, yes, it's and I again I want to make sure that we're making this very clear. Uh, these are military issue. MB two thousand. Okay, so, so the, it's, it's let's a, we'll, we'll call them MB two thousand. Yes. So, how many MB two thousands are you getting for the price of a of a Humvee? Well, each of these bicycles, each of these MB two thousands is a, is approximately seven hundred and eighty dollars each Canadian. Uh, so you have to imagine, well, how many you know of these cycles can we purchase uh, for for the cost of even one Jeep? Uh, again, we have to remind ourselves the carbon footprint that is left behind. Uh, from the MB2000 is nothing. Uh, whereas you imagine the uh, you know emissions that are being literally chugged outside of a Humvee as it makes its way on a reconnaissance mission, uh, those are emissions that we can't take back. So, so we need to be very mindful here uh, that the MB2000s not only gives our ground troops uh, that mobility, uh, but it, it's also uh, an ethical and green choice. Uh, this is about the environment. Well, I want to thank you for being on the program today. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure to speak with you this afternoon. When the story you just heard originally aired on the radio, we received a lot of feedback. Here's what real people had to say about the military using mountain bikes as their primary combat vehicle. I think we should all get together and congratulate Canada's military for finding one more way to make itself the laughing stock of the world. I don't know who that guy was, but he was hilarious. I laughed through the entire conversation. The problem was he was dead serious. Come on, give me a break. They're bicycles. There's absolutely no protection for the troops from bullets, mines, uh, that sort of stuff. The guy was a walking brain fart. Uh, I think uh, the MB2000 is the best idea ever. I think it is an idea that's long overdue. I I do think that there could well be a place for bicycles. Uh, Troops on bicycles can cover ground a lot faster than troops hoofing it on their feet. Um, I'm sure that when they're getting chased by the Taliban, that pedaling as fast as they can probably isn't going to cut the mustard. These guys are putting our troops in danger, uh, and the argument is we're not producing greenhouse gases. When the bullets start flying, greenhouse gases don't rate very high on the list. For two years, the anticipation has been mounting, and now it is finally here. Of course, I'm talking about PenFest, the international festival that celebrates the pen. This year, the festival is hosted in Winnipeg, Canada, and PenFest organizer Jan Floudner promises that they are ready to welcome the world. To tell us more about what to expect at this exciting festival, I am joined in studio by Mr. Floudner. 
Welcome. Well, thank you so much for having me, Peter. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, it certainly uh, has been a busy n- number of days, I'm imagining, for you as, as we near the beginning of PenFest. Oh, my goodness. This has been two years in the making, and we are ready to get this party started kicking it off. So so tell us a little bit about uh, some of the preparations that you've had to put into place uh, when it was announced that you, in fact, would be hosting PenFest this year in Winnipeg. Well, the second we heard that we were going to be hosting PenFest, it was go time, baby. This meant that we had to put the city into overdrive to get ready for this 10-day event that is just going to blow the socks off of Winnipeggers and of pen enthusiasts from all over the world. You have to understand that people traveling from far and wide will come will descend on this city for 10 days and let the party start. Well, it's certainly, I can tell the enthusiasm in your voice uh, as, as we're on the cusp uh, of the festival beginning. Can, can you tell us about what to expect over the 10 days and, and maybe some of the venues uh, that, that have been built specifically for PenFest? Well, it, PenFest kicks off tomorrow night with the opening ceremonies. And that's a party, baby. What's going to happen is we are doing for first time ever... At PenFest, we have hired one of the technical engineers from Cirque du Soleil, baby, and he has organized the opening ceremonies that will kick this party off right. We're doing a historical reenactment of the invention of the dip pen. Which, for those who know, know that that moment was the moment that the pen made its coming out party, baby, and said, we have found a way, a better way to write than a pencil. So where will something like the opening ceremonies be taking place? It sounds like uh, quite a, a large event. This is at our main venue. This venue is what will host all of the celebrations of what we like to call the four majors. The ballpoint pen, the fountain pen, the roller pen, and believe it or not, A marker is a pen, baby. And so that opening ceremonies will kick off there. And then the parade begins going down Portage, wrapping back up Maine, back to where the party will go till midnight. Well, well, walk us through the 10 days. Uh, obviously, it's going to be an action-packed 10 days. Are there some highlights that uh, visitors to Winnipeg will, will want to make sure not to miss? If you're a pen enthusiast, this is where you want to be. We have pens coming from as far away as Africa, Ireland, Cleveland. These are This is 10 days where people who truly do love pens can be with each other and party, baby. Well, it certainly sounds like uh, you've got an exciting 10 days planned. Is there anything specifically uh, you yourself that, that you are uh, most excited uh, to participate in or, or to see? Every PenFest for me, one of the greatest events is the Swap and Talk. And what that is, is every pen enthusiast brings one of their favorite pens that they don't mind de- departing with. And... All of the attendees converge in the center of the convention center with the sound of the air horn. The swap and talk begins and everybody mingles together, sharing the story of this favorite pen. And then you find one that you want to swap with and you've made a friend for life. Wow. So what pen will you be bringing to the swap and talk? I have a quill pen that I got from the Civil War era. 
that I bought on eBay that I've had for 10 years. But guess what? It's time to find myself a historical marker. Well, it certainly sounds exciting. And uh, I, I know that the opening ceremony starts tomorrow for those people that are making, uh, you know, traveling a great distance to come to PenFest. Any final thoughts or, or words that you want to uh, uh, leave with them as they are ready to uh, begin PenFest 2014? Bring your sleep masks because you're going to want to catch the naps when you can because you're not going to be sleeping much. PenFest, baby. Absolutely ridiculous. Why, why, why? Unbelievable, unbelievable. Are you kidding me? <laughs> this is that. And now, a This Is That documentary. My name is Robert Dowling. I'm the CEO uh, of Dean Low Consulting. Uh, I think when people think of our company, uh, they think of a committed group of individuals. Morning, Brian. Morning. About two years ago, uh, we decided to take steps at rethinking how we approach work, who we are. And it was time to rethink what a workspace looks like. Uh, companies like Google, companies like Pixar, uh, these are excellent examples of companies that have been down this road, have made a workspace a creative environment, a place where employees are excited to get to work and they want to stay, they want to stay there, they're enjoying their work experience. And that's why we decided to make a change. The aquatic work environment, or as we refer to it, the AWE, the A-W-E, uh, is a work environment where 90% of the actual workspace is a functioning pool. Hey, listen, are we still on for 11.30? Yeah, I just had a conference call uh, that I'm going to take in the shallow end, and then uh, why don't we meet you down here, yeah? Yeah, great. I've got a lunch at 1.30, uh, so it, it, it we'll have to keep it brief. But Good to see you. I like the new trunks. Thank you. What we're finding is that giving employees a creative workspace keeps them on their toes, gives them fresh ideas. And there's also a lot of information uh, which suggests uh, correlations between creative thinking and time spent in an aquatic setting. Uh, so we dove in. <laughs> Here's what I want to do. Let's break off into three work teams. Uh, Diane and uh, Keith, you can take the shallow end. I'll go in the deep end with Carl. And uh, everyone else can use the hot tub. We really need to think outside the box on this rebrand, okay? This is a big client for us, so... If you want to take some masks and flippers and go to the deep end, that's fine. Uh, yes, you've got to pop out to check emails, and we don't eat in the pool. The food is only at your desk. Uh, but other than that, starting at 7.30 in the morning, we are hard at work in the aquatic work environment. My name is Rick Cornell, and I am an account manager. Uh, you know, when I first heard of uh, that we were transforming our office into an uh, aqua workspace, I was a little bit skeptical. <laughs> I'd never heard of it before. But, uh, you know, over the last few months, I've, I've seen our productivity go through the roof. And, uh, you know, it takes a little bit of getting the old part. It takes a little bit of getting used to not showing up to work in a suit and tie and instead wearing your trunks. <laughs> but it's fantastic. At the beginning, we had some body image issues. But, uh, you know, now uh, people just can't wait to get to work and, and hop in the pool and, and splash around and, and really start to get some work done. Hi, this is Eric. 
Yeah, I'm having a little trouble hearing you. Yeah, it's, uh, you, I'm in the, I took the call in the hot tub here, so it's, I think you're probably hearing the bubbles. Okay, well, if this isn't a good time, I can, I can call you back this afternoon. No, 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 this is a great time. I, I actually booked the tub so that we could have this conversation, so we've got a good 15 minutes here. So, so give me a little backstory yeah, I'm here. I'm having a tough time hearing you. I'm so, just try to, just try to stick can with I, me on I, this. Can I ask you to get out of the pool? Well, it's it's probably going to sound about the same no matter where I am. It's we have an aquatic work environment. You know what would be a, a better thing, Eric? On this, I don't know if you have the time to swing by this afternoon or tomorrow, and and we could meet face to face uh, either here in the pool or in the hot tub. I'm in Chicago. So the word is out that you know when you come for a meeting at Dean Low, bring your trunks. You're going to get in the pool. Have a session on the slide. You're gonna get in a hot tub. So it, it, it's it's a very different way of thinking of corporate culture, but we're finding the results astounding, and so are our clients. Listen, do you want to grab some dive masks and uh, we can go into the tank? Yeah, sure. All right, yeah, sure. Fantastic. I don't know if you knew this, but the world of podcasting is massive. Hi, I'm Leah. I'm the host of CBC's Podcast Playlist. There is such a constant avalanche of new releases, it can be hard to keep up. Luckily, Podcast Playlist can help. Every week, we deep dive into the podcast world to find the most compelling stories. And every month, we'll give you a sneak peek into the hottest new releases so you can stay ahead. Tune in to Podcast Playlist on CBC Listen and everywhere you get your podcasts. Well, they're not exactly man's best friend, but to Jim and Darlene Sleen, a bison named Albert is pretty darn close. For the past 10 years, they've shared their home with a 2,000-pound Great Plains buffalo. But soon, their domesticated pet may find himself out in the yard if local lawmakers get their way. To tell us more about a new buffalo bylaw that has them struggling to keep their herd together is Jim and Darlene Sleen. Hello, Jim and Darlene. Hi. Hi, how are you? Great. I want to thank both of you for being uh, on the program today. (laughs) Oh, thanks for having us. Thank you very much for having us. I guess first off the bat, Darlene, why don't you tell us uh, how a buffalo became your pet? How did you come to get Albert? Well, actually... Uh, Albert came to us as a gift, a wedding gift from a from an uncle of mine who ha- has a buffalo ranch, and just thought that would be a nice little, you know, a nice little start to our life together. Give us a, a buffalo calf, and it was very sweet. And then slowly, we just grew closer and closer to Albert, and now he's he's basically become our our pet. <laughs> so. It- He's obviously, you live out in Pincher Creek, I imagine you have a property, but uh, Jim, how did, how did uh, Albert begin to live inside your home with you? Yeah, well, it, uh, <laughs> it's, it's, uh, it's actually a pretty straightforward progression, you know, as a calf, when we first had him, we don't have uh, heat in the barn, and uh, so we had a terribly cold winter, so we, you know, we let him into the house, and to tell you the truth, uh, he, he's very well behaved. 
so Darlene, walk us through an average day with uh, with Albert. I mean, does he stay in the house all day? Is he moving up and down the stairs? Does he eat with you? Uh, how does that work? Well, actually, you know, just like a, a, a dog, say, that someone would have, you know, Albert um, sleeps in the house. Uh, we take him out for daily walks. He gets up in the morning at 5.30 with Jim, and they have their breakfast together. And then he's, Sorry, then he, I don't know if you can hear him in the background there. He's getting a little bit, uh, he's kind of a... We haven't taken him out for a walk yet today, so he's a little bit, I think he's kind of itching to get outside. Got to do his business, probably. Yeah, I think yeah. so. Yeah. <laughs> and so tell us, why exactly is the town of Pincher Creek saying that you can't have Albert inside with you? Yeah. Well, uh, I guess it's, uh, to the letter of the law, it, it violates a uh, uh, health and safety standard uh, in the province of Alberta. So, yeah. uh, you know, I mean, it's, it's a shame because I, I just wish that these people who are uh, trying to enforce this could come here and see and see Albert because I think a lot of people have misconceptions about buffaloes. They're they're definitely large animals, but you know, just as big as their body is, so is their heart. You know, right. Yeah, we know we're submitting a petition to challenge yeah. that because, you know, the definition of a pet. Well, to some people, it's a canary. Hey, you know, hey, to us, hey, oh. it's a buffalo, and he truly is just like a large dog. You know, he whines when we're when we're upstairs and he can't come up. He he likes his toys. We we got him. Squeaky toys, you know. Get off the couch. Did you have to alter your home at all, darling, to have him in there? Jim? Honey, you okay? Yep. Jim? Well, well, Darlene, I'll let you get back to it. It sounds hey, Darlene, like you, you want to bring me in the hook, babe. Yeah, be right there. Okay. Uh, sounds like you have your hands full, so I'm, I'll let you go. Yeah, yeah. Okay, thanks. Okay, then. Bye, bye. Okay, thank you. That was Jim and Darlene Sleen, a couple who are currently in a battle with local lawmakers over allowing their 2,000-pound pet buffalo to live inside their home. This is That Prioritizes Stories About People. Here is one now. Hi, is this Zach? Oh, hi, Zach. It's Richard Carl, Escape Plan Inc. <laughs> yes, I, I, I know you were expecting my call. Well, my name is Richard Carl, and I am the uh, owner-CEO of Escape Plan Inc., which is... Uh, basically, Canada's premier elopement planning service. You're not getting cold feet. The wedding is still off. <laughs> it's an elopement joke, right? You know, a lot okay, of people well, think that the the spontaneous act of elopement is just that spontaneous, and and I can tell you from experience, it's not. It it requires uh, just as much planning, uh, if not more, uh, than an actual wedding. Uh, I spend a fair bit of time at bridal shows, and I find that's a great place to, to poach potential clients. You can easily see by looking around a bridal show, you know, who's stressed out, who's clearly overwhelmed. Uh, maybe someone has the sight of a baby bump. And so those are people that I will go and, and give a business card, kind of give my one-line pitch, and you would be surprised at how many people actually reach out for my services when they know that it exists. Oh, and as well, I, I have a pretty pretty flashy Facebook page that, that's also getting a fair bit of traffic. And I look forward to helping you run away. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Zach. Thank you. So 
Nice to meet you. Welcome. How are you? We're doing very well. Thank you for uh, seeing us. Yeah. Absolutely. I'm used to it. Uh, my name is uh, Zach Connor, and this is my uh, fiance. Hi, I'm Althea Winters. I guess the biggest reason why we decided to come and see Richard is, uh, well, our wedding's supposed to be on Saturday, and uh, you know, we both just kind of, I think, got freaked out about the size of it. Uh, had you given any thought to uh, maybe where you wanted to go and elope to? Not really. We just kind of want to. Get it done. Let me run with this one for a little bit. If you give me some creative freedom here, I think I can come up with a pretty interesting elopement proposal. Great. Great. When a couple <laughs> chooses my services, there's a list of things that I have to do. Uh, first things first, I've got to call all of the vendors who are going to be uh, providing the wedding services, and i got to cancel those and try to get some of that deposit back. Look, the dress has never been worn, so there is no stain on it. So just take it back and give us the cash. Well, no, 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 we're getting some of that deposit back. Well, because you haven't cooked the steak yet. Then I have to put on my travel agent's cap and uh, make the arrangements for the actual elopement. And that can be anything from uh, booking the Motel 6 down the road to the Four Seasons in Bali, so I've got to be sharp. Mahalo! Yes, hi, how are you? And then, of course, is probably the hardest part of my job, which is the phone call to the family members uh, to, to let them know that their loved ones have called the wedding off and they're going to elope. And I, I have to tell you, that is not an easy call to make. Emotions do run very high around weddings. Oh, don't cry. Don't cry. Oh, don't cry. Don't. Please don't cry. I... Well, don't talk and cry, because I honestly can't understand what you're saying. Here's the good news. They're still getting married. They're just not doing it in front of you guys. Well, if I'm being honest, uh, you know, Althea voiced to me that she's never felt that you guys have been very supportive of Zach. Uh, well, some musicians make it. Are you two, uh, are you ready then? Uh, yeah. yeah. Oh, oh, that's good. Hot sorry, my bad. Probably for me, the part of the job I like the most is the big day when I, I send my couples off to actually elope. And, uh, you know, some of them will choose to get married at the destination that they're going to, but, but sometimes, because arrangements have to be made so quickly, <laughs> uh, the, the responsibility will fall on my shoulders, which is, which is actually why I got ordained. Let's get this started. We're here today to celebrate the relationship of Zach and Althea, and to be uh, witnessed by myself as the solo supporter of their commitment to, to share in life. Oh, oh. Sorry. Oh, oh she'd gone up Spadina. You know, it's an awful lot of work that goes into this. But I'll tell you, the reason I do it is the look on that young couple's face when they realize I have helped them successfully run away from that wedding. Oh, honey, do you have the passport? I have to say, those are beautiful, beautiful vows. Now, if you'll excuse me, I've got to make a phone call to try to get $500 back from a cupcake company that's pretty PO'd. <laughs> it's like getting blood from a stone. What's the number again of uh, Twinklets? Oh, come on, back, 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 come here, come here, come here. Uh, by the power of me, uh, you may now seal it with a kiss. Oh. <laughs> Congratulations, what a beautiful ceremony in the Mazda. Well, that was another episode of This Is That from CBC Podcasts. This show was created and performed by me, Pat Kelly. And by me, Peter Oldring. With additional voices supplied by... Teresa Pavlinik and Sarah Erickson. Production support by Kelly and Kelly. Head of production, Lauren Berkovich. Senior producer and sound designer, Chris Kelly. Additional editing by Max Collins. 
With special thanks to Mike Palazzo, Kurt Smeaton, and Chris Straw. Roshni Nair is our digital coordinating producer. Executive producers are Cecil Fernandez and Chris Oak. Tanya Springer is the senior manager of CBC Podcasts, and Arif Nurani is the director. Thanks for listening, and remember, if it's not this, then it must be that. For more CBC Podcasts, go to cbc.ca slash podcasts.